DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz win again. They extend the winning streak on the road. Home has been an issue, but look at them on the road. 14-3. and That'll work, yeah. Tied with the Brooklyn Nets for the best road record in the NBA. You love the pace crap. I never get into it, but what pace is that? Uh, what what pace is for 14-3 and three over the course of a road? Your 41 win? Your 41 road games, if you're 14-3, and three, what pace are you on to win? You got me. Yeah, but you love that crap. Sorry, I don't I mean, have it. I mean, can you figure it out? I didn't realize you'd have it <laughs> off the top of your head. Okay, I'll get I it you. would take you. a second. And I, didn't need inst- I, I was going to say probably 34 or 35 wins, somewhere in there. No, probably 33 or 34. I'll figure it out. I'll get back to you. They're on a 60-win pace for the season as a whole, and the Suns and Warriors even even better than that. Well, the Jazz are only a game and a half back. Yep, they're right there. They're right there. Picked up a game on the Warriors because the Warriors, that was shocking. The Warriors scoring 82 points and a loss in Dallas. I mean, they're going to lose some games, but I wouldn't think they'd lose 99-82. And there it is. Yeah, but if you're going to suck, suck. You're not going to suck very long, and you're going to get a big boost with Thompson coming back. Yep. Steph Curry was 5 for 24, and there aren't going to be many more of those nights for him. I'm sure he was forcing it a little bit, knowing that it was a national TV game and people were talking about Dirk Nowitzki. Did you hear what uh, Barkley said? No. He said uh, he saw, I don't know if it was in the States or uh, overseas, he saw Nowitzki play as like a 16, 17-year-old. Uh-huh. And he told him that right then, he told him, he said, I'll give you anything you want to come to Auburn. You name it, I'll give it to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nowitzki wasn't any of the college things. Straight to the pros. He did go straight to the pros. But you don't know. I mean, he just Detlef Schramp and some other German guys have come other, over. Other guys have. Christian Welp. <laughs> Christian Welp. <laughs> the fun name to say. <laughs> Nikolaus Skidishvili. Is he from Germany? No, he's from Germany. No. Oh, he's oh, from oh. Germany. Oh, you're just talking about fun names. Fun names, come on. Okay. Sharunis Marshallonis. Yeah, that was a, a fun name. There you there go. Right there. Tough kid. His son is on St. Mary's. He oh, is. really? He, he is. is. Yes. Yeah. Who yeah. were supposed to play BYU Saturday. Saturday. Hopefully he can come off. But uh, The St. Mary's Santa Clara like game they, tonight. Tonight has been canceled. Canceled, right. Postponed. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. I believe his son is a freshman he there. Uh, he's in the rotation. He may even be starting. For uh, and St. Mary's returned just about everybody off their off their team last year, but uh, Marcelona's junior. I don't know his first name, but uh, I know he's on that ball club. He was he was actually a fun player, fun player to watch. Yeah, big time. So I think it's I think it's great for the game to see these foreign guys come over and be stars, not just be one trick ponies, but be big time stars. And obviously Nowitzki is the biggest star that the Mavericks have to offer, and he got him. It's almost like it's cute that he got the one title, not three, four, five. Why? Because he had to struggle to get there. Yes. You know, he was MVP. They got knocked out in the first round. Right, but lots of people who've gotten three, four, five still had struggles. I know. I get that. I guess you can argue he had more. But the desire was to get to the mountaintop. Uh And he got to the mountaintop. In my mind, that you got to the mountaintop that one time with basically a ragtag team. 
not a ton of, you know, you had Jason Kidd and Sean Marion at the end. Right. Not kid, prime. Kidd was not what he was. And Marion right. was a high flyer in Phoenix and yep. all that. And so he got that. Tyson Chandler was a nice defensive center. Um, the little guy from Puerto Rico was on that team. What's his name? J.J. Barrett. Yeah. Yeah. A little fan favorite because he's, like he's like the Britton Covey of the NBA. Yep. You know what I mean? And so, but those, I mean, they were nice players. But so he got them there. And that's all you needed to validate it. It's like, well, if you, if you got it three, four, five times, well, yeah, you were better than everybody. I mean, he, was a, he was a seven-footer who was a lot better than everybody. But I guess you can say not everybody because not LeBron. He wasn't better than LeBron. Oh, I don't think he was better than Duncan. I don't think he was better than Kobe. And he had to beat LeBron and Dwayne Wade to get there. And so I think it's cool. And it's a cool story coming over, just some gangly kid. Uh, and it's almost cooler to get one, as long as you're the guy. You're Sean Marion. Nobody remembers you even on the team. Right. You remember catching dog passes from Nash. No, it's the guy. The, the guy gets it. We were talking about yeah. it yesterday, one of the TV shows we have on, uh, TV's on in here in the studio, and they were saying, you know, what would another championship mean to Kyrie's legacy? Well, I don't think it would mean much of anything to Kyrie's legacy, because I think it'll mean something to Durant's legacy. And I think the first title meant something to LeBron's legacy. Well, and Harden, too. So, Kyrie would find himself kind of in the Dwayne Wade Situation, mm, and I'm hesitant to put him in the joint. Well, that's situation. because that's because of how they carried themselves in groups of people, and Wade always seems like Dwayne the Wade ro- is the Denzel rock. Washington. <laughs> of, I, I of get it. Acting, and, and he's so and, cool. And Irving's way over here, and <laughs> you a, don't know what he's going to do next. He's a, and he's it, it's a job. it's a I mean, sideshow, yeah, yeah. and it's just I get that. But the the point where there's a comparison is when you are the second best player. I don't think that Kyrie is the second best player on that team. You think he's the third best? Yeah. yeah. Then it means even less to his legacy. I would never put Dwayne Wade and Kyrie Irving in the same sentence. They're not the best player on the championship teams. I still wouldn't put him on so the when same we talk about I wouldn't Dwayne put him Wade. on the same plane. So when we talk about Dwayne Wade, do we talk about Dwayne Wade's championships, or do we talk about I talk about Dwayne Denzel. Wade with reverence. Right. But you don't count up championships the way you do with guys who are the best player on the team. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily knock it. I agree. I mean, you, you, with that logic, you'd have to knock Kobe. And who is knocking Kobe? But it's Nobody. different. Nobody. I get it, but it's different. What's different? Whether you're the best guy or the second best guy on the team. Can't you be right there? Does there have to be a delineation, the Grand Canyon, between one and two? There usually Not, is. I there don't isn't think so. always. There isn't always, but there usually is. Uh, and and in, in the Dwayne Wade situation, in the Kobe situation, I don't think there is. Now, it's the same player, ironically, with Shaq, mm-hmm. but I don't think that I'm, well, I'm taking Shaq over Kobe 100% of the time. He was the man, and that other guy was second fiddle. Kobe was not second fiddle. That was more a 1 and 1A. That's what I'm talking which is about. Rarely, rarely happens, but there are other examples. And you can go back, and you can probably go forward too. Oh, I think you can go back plenty of times. You can go all the way back. Dr. J and Moses Malone were 1 and 1A. How, the so Knicks won title. a couple of titles. Now you're getting was, way back. I, that's what I just yeah. said. Right. And the 70s, and the Lakers, when they and, won their one. And the 70s were a different decade. Then. 
the 70s were a different decade. There weren't the dynasties. There wasn't the lots of teams. You think it was cool to get one. Know. There were lots of people getting one or two. I mean, even the Knicks, too, were separated over the course of four years. Which makes still, it even better. There was a core of guys who, were, who did yeah, both. Yeah, right. But over four years, there's also quite a bit of change on NBA rosters. Those were my Knicks, buddy. <laughs> a little, <laughs> little tiny PK running around the garden getting the free tickets. <laughs> I watched a ton of Nick Ball growing up. I knew all of those guys. John Gianelli coming off the bench. <laughs> okay. I, it's funny because even as a kid, I watched a ton of Knicks and I knew all about the Knicks. But I never lived and died with him. But I was a fan. But I was uh, even as a boy, I took fandom different in the manner that is normally associated with fandom. Although I watched Nick Ball all the time. And it was a big, big deal with Red Holtzman and the Knicks and going to the Garden as a boy. You would have thought that I was literally going to heaven. Christmas morning. Are you kidding me? Man, Wow. And the one time I went over the Christmas break, and it was a matinee, and I had a dentist appointment before, and I was so excited, I barfed on the dental assistant's <laughs> hand, who happened to be my sister. <laughs> and the dentist, you know whose name is? Dr. Rappaport. That's a fun name. It's Dr. Rappaport. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys, I mean, who was the, who was the man then? And I, I don't differentiate the... Walt Frazier. He, he was the man, sure. But there was a lot of men. Yeah. Earl Monroe was a big part of the second team, but he wasn't on the first team. No, they had Dick Barnett. <laughs> okay, now let's bring it back to somebody that other people remember. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. He's a left-hander, shot a jump shot, and he, he curled his legs back up. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I, I don't know that there has to be a difference. Like here, if the Jazz get it, are they going to have one the man? I would say no. We'll have to see how the games play out because that will sell who it is, but I get your point. The Rudy is so dominant at one end of the court, and we assume if they win a championship, Donovan will be dominant at the other end of the court. Does Rudy has to be dominant for them to win. Does Mitchell have to be dominant for them to win? I can answer that by saying no. Not in every game. He's going to have to play very well. Right. Obviously. But, but there'll be a night where Bogey goes for 36 like he went for in Denver last night. And so n- not every night. You won't be the leading scorer every night, but Rudy will be the rim defender every night. He has to be. He does. Yes. He does. And I think but I, that, I, but I don't think they're going to win a title with Donovan <laughs> scoring 22 points a game and shooting 32 percent from three and 44 from the floor. I mean, he's going to do what he did against the Clippers. He's going to go 39 nine and nine, or they're not going to win the title. Oh, 39 nine and nine is awesome, right? But he's going to do that if they're going to win the title, just like he went for well, 50 he whatever the in the bubble. Then he would be the man, right? But not every night. So I can't guarantee. Like Kobe gets his fifth title. And Pau Gasol's going off in the fourth quarter of Game Seven. Then Kobe's yeah, hugging but, him and saying, "You you saved us and you bailed us see, out." But see, that's part of being the man. Kobe's still the guy. That's part of the being the man. It's like Algier yeah. against SC. He's gassed and he knows he can't do what he can yeah, do. Right. So get somebody else in there. So Kobe being the man, and I think Mitchell would fall in that same category if Bogey or whomever has really got it going on. You've got no problem deferring. Because, and that, that was the ultimate of Magic Johnson. 
He could take over. Magic if he Johnson had to. understood that I better just than saw, anybody in the I, history of the game. I just saw an interview that when he hit that hook shot, that other stuff had happened, and he was like, "I'm bleeping shooting the ball. I'm 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 not passing this ball." And so they go slow motion, and they interview Kareem, and Kareem's like. I was wide open. I had a layup or a dunk. <laughs> he did not have to shoot that shot. But Magic already decided, I'm not passing this. I'm making this shot. I'm not trusting anybody else. And so when Kareem's talking, they slow it down frame by frame. And like, and I've seen that play a million times, and I watched it live when it happened, and like, Kareem does come wide open. And I don't know why I didn't see that. But you're right. He deferred a million times and passed the ball and trusted and then when they needed a shot to beat the buzzer, there is a whole collage of nothing but Magic Johnson buzzer beaters. We really need one, and we need one right now, so I'll hit it. Yeah. And I think that's where the Jazz this year in the regular season have struggled a little bit. Because I think Mitchell thinks that he's got to take that shot. And he doesn't. There's been, it seems like, and I'd have to go back, and Locke can probably scream at the radio right now if he's listening, and there's been times that hasn't happened. But in my mind, the amateur vision that I have, it seems like he Run a pick and roll, run the mixer. I've got to shoot And it. let the ball move. As opposed to Donovan, I'm going to beat the guy in front of me and get into the paint. Yeah, and there's been some stuff that... He gets stripped. The ball's still yeah. below his waist. It actually happened in the Denver game last night. He, he drove and he got deep in the paint. And the ball was still below his waist. And somebody got a hand on it and popped it out and it was a turnover. I think they got to work on that. So when they get in that situation, they've got to make sure. I've got no problem with him with the ball. But they got to know if the blender doesn't work to get it back to him where he has enough time to do it at the end of the clock. It's a tricky balance. They've got so much offensive firepower that any number of guys, Bogdanovich has proven he can do it. In my mind, there's no doubt Conley can do it. Uh, Even the shot that he missed two years ago in the bubble. Barely. Yeah, and I mean, it was he was just, running full speed. He was running full speed. Pull up, yeah. and the thing was halfway down. Yeah, it didn't go. But, but it was sort the, of fate. It was the full speed and not getting his legs completely under him. He yeah. was floating a little bit, and that makes it tough. But it was, but yeah. it was a heck of a shot. It was. It was halfway yeah. down. Yeah, and then fate kicked out. It could have just as easily. So I've got no problem with him doing it. If he's uh, got to take a big shot. Yeah, you know, and I find it interesting in those situations. They don't tend to have Clarkson in the game. Clarkson is there to carry the bench. Did you see the ultimate Jordan Clarkson possession last night? He brings the ball up court. It's hilarious. He drives into the paint, and he really does have this sixth sense. He's like, they're switching, and maybe this is the injuries and the Nuggets haven't had their guys play together enough, and there's some young guys on the court. They're switching in the paint, and he realizes, and anyone could have switched on to him, but Bull Bull did, and there were like three guys there. And so he realizes, oh, I'm okay. And so he starts to dribble out. And as he dribbles out, a guy comes from behind and pokes the ball away. So he tracks it down to half port, half court. And the Nuggets probably had a chance to switch back so they didn't have Bull Bull versus Jordan Clarkson. You have to say Bull Bull. I do. I like to say it. It's a fun name. Back to Skittish Feely. More fun names. Yeah, right? Exactly. I, I, in fact, I think uh, uh, Alicia and Freddie should have done that with you. I think you should be James James. I'm glad they didn't do that. I think it would be cool if you were Jimmy James. Jimmy James! Jimmy James. Go ahead. Jimmy James. And so Clarkson looks like he's going to take him out of the drive, and he pulls up, and then he banks in the three. And nobody else on the team touched the ball. It was wildly entertaining. It worked. They got three points. 
It can't possibly be the way Quinn drove, drew it up. It was the ultimate Jordan Clarkson possession. He's got more moves than John Travolta in Saturday Night. Uh, was it uh, Fever? Was that it? Yes. Yeah. Don't you think so? In fact, didn't they they redid version of the Wonder Years here this year? Yeah, I saw. I saw a promo for it. I haven't they, seen the show. They had it with an African American family. I would like to see a remake of. Saturday Night Fever, and have Jordan Clarkson do it. You guys got moves. He could be the next Tony Monero. A little showbiz in the offseason. up to see I, what his name I know is. you did, but I wasn't going to give you up. <laughs> I didn't remember Tony Monero. I didn't either. He's an Italian guy. Once you said it, I knew it was right, but I didn't remember it. <laughs> that guy can move. He's there. He's here. He's back over here. Then he goes over there. Exactly. And your head's spinning. My eyes dilate when I watch him do that. <laughs> and he does it about two or three times a game, and he manages somehow to get off a good shot. You're thinking, oh, no way, not this time. But he does it. But yet in those late-game situations, he's on the bench. I find that interesting since he can provide a whole bunch of offense, particularly if things aren't going well on that particular on that individual possession, he'll still find a way. Now you have shot clock, game clock sometimes prevents mm-hmm. all that stuff. But should he be in there? If they got the ball, they're down one, and they got the ball with 15 seconds to go. Should he be in the game? So I don't know that he comes in with 15 seconds, but I think if memory serves me right, he has come in when there's been three or four. That he's been subbed back in. But what he doesn't do is play the last three or four minutes. But but three seconds you don't you can't really use his strengths with fifteen seconds he can dribble all all over the right. place should he be in with fifteen they, seconds answer my question it, fifteen seconds ago you're down by one should he be in the game my gut reaction is no my gut reaction enough, is overwhelmingly yes there's enough you ought to be able to know at this point you got enough data to know points per possession all that oh, if you draw something up crap. what what possession can't of the, you ever go by your gut what, yeah I just did I told you no. And then you went into data points. You're David James. You're not David James. You're David Fisdale. <laughs> Take that's that a, for data. That's a good. That's a nice. That's a nice impression. That I don't good. have the. I, that was a great. You also that was a great the, post game. The, the pound on the table as he. That did was great. Yeah, that was a great post game. He he. That was awesome. I mean, it wasn't Denny Green good, but it was really good. All right, DJ and PK. We got more people weighing in. Uh, wasn't Denver missing several key players too? Yes. Not trying to be a Debbie Downer. Too late, this guy. It's not about the opposition. It's about passing the eye test. Yeah, I mean, they're Denver. It's a watered-down Denver team. There's no Everybody knows that. Everybody they didn't even have that. their coach. Popeye handled it. Yeah. Classic. He should have come out with a little cigar. and a... <laughs> He's probably tired of that. <laughs> it's entertainment, though. That's true. And he's actually, I think, the third in the I think the top two are out. It's not just Michael Malone. Yeah, I can't call him Michael Malone. I'm sorry. I know, but that's the whole point of doing it. I can't, I can't do it. Nobody called him Michael Malone until he said that. True story. Everybody called him Mike Malone. I couldn't believe when he said it. He was all fired up. I I'm call thinking. him Brendan's son. There you go. <laughs> all right, DJ PK. We're going to Hawaii mentally. Next, Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, PGA Tour, Tournament of Champions, Maui. The real start to the season. Not that fake official thing that already happened. We'll talk with Brian Taylor next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. 
Let's do it. David Locke. Our defensive issues are real. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? Like, we've got to figure some things out defensively. Go look at us against the home court teams and what our defensive ratings have been this year. It's not good. We're not good if Rudy's not bailing everyone out. We're not good when Rudy's off the floor. we got to figure this out. Like, I don't know how we're figuring it out, but if you want one issue to look at, it's going to be the separator of whether or not this team wins the championship or not. That's going to be it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. Golf is back in the news. Sweet. The weather is good somewhere. Maui, as it turns out. Brian, good morning. J.J. Barea is the Britain Covey of the NBA. That is the line of the day right there. <laughs> you like that. I, I almost drove off the road. I was laughing so hard. That was great. Well sure. done, sir. Thank you. Am I a complete and total uh, homer living on the west side of the country? Salt Lake is as far east as I've ever lived. Uh, everywhere else I lived is in California. Am I a total homer for thinking that from now through the LA Open is the best stretch of the PGA Tour? That's just me no, being a homer, isn't it? I, no, I, I love it. I love it, and I don't. I don't think the West Coast gets the respect that it deserves. To be honest, you know, back in the back in the day, you know, with the Ernie Elses and and uh, you know the, a lot of the international big stars, they wouldn't come play over here on the West Coast because it was so far to come, right? And um, from South Africa or otherwise, and. And so they would just show up in Florida. So a lot of times you wouldn't see uh, some some of these top players. And, but, you know, the, the West Coast has got some great events. To me, the PGA Tour, I love the nostalgia and the tie-ins of, of, of uh, players and, and, and bygones, right? So you think about the West Coast, and they all had names, right? You had the Andy Williams and, of course, the Bob Hope and the Bing Crosby. Yeah. I mean, I love that stuff, right? To me, that. That's what that's what was there was there was a cachet to that there was something you could identify with and uh, you know the the West Coast is cool I, I think I'm with you DJ I, I love the West Coast swing yeah I've been to every one of those I haven't played every one of them I've been to every one of them I've played a few in fact I I'm proud to say I broke a hundred on the plantation course at Kapalua not a boy. <laughs> well look at least you can say you played it I have not played the plantation course so you got that going for you. Yeah, yeah, I've been over there a few times uh, on my own and with work, and so I'm very much looking forward to this tournament. I, I tell DJ that every year I make sure I watch as much as possible these next two months just to torture myself thinking, it's snowing outside, I could be there. It's snowing outside, I could be there. Uh, and one of these days I'm going to be there, and I'm, I'm definitely going to go to this tournament. I have a friend of mine, and... Uh, he was there a few years ago, and he told me it was just absolutely awesome. And he was standing there um, outside the ropes, and there's not that many people there. And he was following Rory, and Rory sees him. And as his warrior's walking past him, Rory extends his arm and gives him bones. And, uh, nice. So, yes, he gave him bones back. And then, and then my friend, he's texting me, and I'm sitting at home here, and he's there. He lives here, too. And he's texting me, and he's saying he, he wants to go see where Dustin Johnson is next. And he's telling me about what just happened. And so I'm directing him where to go because I'm watching it in my house. Uh, 
telling him, okay, he's on the 13th hole. You need to go go this way, go that way, because I can watch it. Technology today is awesome. So I'm definitely going to be watching this one this afternoon and through the rest of the week. And as I go big picture, there's three things. You know, we do this draft with Casper, and I'm going to demand going forward that I get Rom every time. He's my. I'm going to pick him every time because I think I think he's set up. And I also think this year, I think we're going to see a breakout of two players. One player is already on the verge of breaking out, and that's Morikawa. And then I'm going to go with Victor Hovland as my other guy. And when we get to this time next year, I think we're going to look back and we'll see those guys really emerge. There's a lot to unpack from what you said there. Um, you, you know, first of all, Maui's a gr- from what I hear. I'm like I said, I haven't been over to that tournament, but uh, it's it's obviously a short field, and not a lot of people travel all the way over there to to watch golf. And so you get an opportunity to get up close with the guys, and so it's a great story with Rory. Um, I love to soak it in. It feels like the kickoff of the season, even though the season technically started back in October. Feels like the official kickoff. You sit here in the cold in the snow and you look at the beautiful views there at, at Kapalua and then you come back to, you know, the desert and, and up the West coast. So in, you know, Phoenix, of course, and, and that whole party. But uh, as far as breakout guys, I mean, Morikawa's, I mean, that that's an easy one, right? I mean, the guy's played two full years on tour and he's got two majors. He's, he's the, he's the next gen ball striker on the PGA tour. He's that guy. He's a Johnny Miller type of, a ball striker. His iron game is just, you know, he's tiger like in his iron game. Um, so he's, and he's shown that, you know, when he gets out there in the lead, he's, he's tough to catch and it doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's number two in the world, uh, had an opportunity to go to number one at the Hero Tigers event back in December, but, you know, he, he's going to have some other chances. He'll have some chances this week if he were to go on and win. He'd be number one in the world. So, yeah, I think Morikawa continues that rise. He doesn't seem like, uh, you know, he's so solid in all the fundamentals. You just don't see him having a, a slip. Um, Victor Hovland is, is, has had high expectations since he came out of college. He, as an amateur playing at the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, he, you know, had, had a good week that week, a lot of attention and, and a lot of expectations. And, you know, he comes out with that class with Morikawa and Matthew Wolf. And, you know, th- th- that, that group is, it's stacked. It, it kind of reminds you of the Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, you know, group that, that came out before them. And so, yeah, I, I want one of my stories, you know, we're, that, that we're going to talk about on the show is this this continuing rise of this next generation. And I'd throw the Will Zalatoris and Sam Burns in there as well. You know, there's just some great young players that are going to continue to grow and emerge that grew up watching, you know, guys like Tiger go out and do what they do. And the, the guys aren't afraid to win. They get right out there on tour. They're not afraid to win. It's not like the PGA Tour of old where you had to cut your teeth and, and then you won majors in your 30s. This, this, these guys come right out and, and win and, and, and get after it. So what about the guys and the generation that now is moving into their 30s, even if they aren't all there, the guys who came out and cut their teeth and won two, three, or four majors, and they can add to the list, they can uh, make their name in the game, or they've had some injuries, they made a lot of money, maybe they got married and their priorities shifted, but are they set up for big years? You can start start with Rory or Jordan or wherever you want. Yeah, I think Battle of the Stars is, you know, and I think uh, you, you, we've got a lot of them. Rom, Morikawa, JT, Spieth, McElroy, DJ, Xander, Patrick Cantlay, who's coming off a four-win season and the FedEx Cup champ. 
Bryson and Brooks, you know, Tony Finau picking up his second win. So um, all those players that were on the U.S. Ryder Cup team, the momentum they're going to take and the confidence out of that, I think, is going to be massive this year. So I think you're going to see all those guys battle, you know, along with the, the younger guys that we just mentioned with the Hovlands and Zalatoris, Wolves and Burns and that. So uh, I, I, I think, you know, starting with Rom, uh, look, I'm with, I'm with PK. I think you should pick him every time a major comes around. He, he just came off his first win there at Torrey Pines. He's He's massive. I was watching a Callaway product launch uh, feature, and, and he and, and Xander were on the tee box together. And, I mean, Xander's not as big as, as, as uh, you know, the trunk of, of John Rahm. I mean, the guy's just got so much power, and uh, he's, he seems to be maturing. You know, he's a, he's a dad now. It seems to settle him down. He seems a little more grounded and, you know, trying to control that temper that cost him, I think, a lot of tournaments early in his career. But he's got so much talent. So, yeah, John Rahm's number one in the world. Does he, does he hold on to it? Does he, is he a dominant number one? I think that's going to be an interesting storyline this year because, again, as you mentioned, Morikawa can take that over. And I think you'll see more of a carousel of that number one, not because – of a, a negative commentary on not having a dominant player, but I think you've got such great players in the aggregate. You're going to see, you know, uh, more parity. Uh, I think Justin Thomas is going to have a big year. He got the Players Championship win, shooting 64-68 on the weekend. He had seven top ten. Jordan Spieth seems to have found his stride. Got back in the winner's circle. You know, he's a new dad. You know, he seems the swing is coming back. He's making those putts again. You know that he was was really famous for back in 2015-16. Rory McIlroy is, you know, I mean that that guy. He's coming up on Augusta. It'll be now the eighth time I believe that he's had an opportunity to complete the career Grand Slam by winning the Green Jacket, and that's going to be a big storyline going into Augusta. DJ, you know, is he? I mean, look, the guy was the leading points. What did he go five and zero at the Ryder Cup, and and yet kind of had a down year for for a guy like like Dustin Johnson, who was most recently world number one. Um, so th- those are those are some of the storylines, and then I expect a lot out of uh, out of Tony Finau. You know, um, again, what wh- what will happen after his back-to-back missed cuts in the summertime at the U.S. Open and Travelers. He averaged 68.5 over his last six events, including that win at the Northern Trust. His putter's uh, looking better. So a um, lo- lot of good storylines. And, of course, everyone wants to know when Tiger will come back. That, that'll, that'll certainly dominate. I think parody is a dangerous word, though. It sounds good. And if, if you're into it, if you're hardcore, Parody is great because you're there. You're there all the time. But for the business aspect of it, I wonder how good parody is because I don't know that we'll ever have a time, and it's impossible to say that, but I'll say it anyway, that we'll have a time of interest in golf that Tiger Woods brought. I don't know that we'll ever be able to recreate that. And there wasn't parody, but yet it was like a golden error. Because he drew so many people in. So from the business side of it, and golf is basically a niche sport. I love it, and it's not a niche sport to me, but I get its place on the sports spectrum. Do they really want parity from a business standpoint, or do you want the one dominant, or maybe you have a second guy, so you have like a magic and a bird type of thing in the, in the NBA's glory days? You see where I'm going with that? Yeah, no, exactly. And, and uh, is it too early to throw Charlie Wood's name out there? Just asking. Um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I meant to say that. <laughs> yeah, well, there, Woods is going to break uh, Nicholas's record. It's just going to be Charlie. I mean, come <laughs> on. My goodness, that swing is a thing of beauty. You know, uh, look, to your point, there's nobody watched. There wasn't as many eyeballs on a PGA Tour event as there was with Tiger and Charlie, you know, on a hit and giggle. I mean, it's just he, Tiger does that, right? I mean, he... 
he, there's not going to be another Tiger. And, and, and it's interesting that you said that you don't know there'll be another ex- era of excitement like Tiger brought. And I think it's because Tiger completely turned the sport on its ear. I mean, do you remember the first interview we did with Curtis Strange? He goes, what's your expectations? And he says, my expectations is to win. And Curtis laughed at him on camera. And he <laughs> says, you'll learn. Well, we learned, right? We all learned that Tiger was different. He turned a sport. He took a, you know, he took the Craig Stadler. Uh, and again, that's not a knock on uh, on the Walrus, but that was sort of the look of the PGA Tour. And he took it to this, you know, young, uh, flexible, strong, athletic uh, approach and just dominated. So we, we were all sort of like, what is this? And Bryson's done that a little bit, but it's so, but he hasn't. He hasn't dominated the sport like Tiger. He hasn't taken over the sport. So I only put that as context because I think it's an interesting point, PK. Let's say the next Tiger, quote-unquote, comes along and he starts doing Tiger-like things. Are we going to be as interested or are we going to be like, yeah, we've seen this? It's not going to, it's not going to turn us on a ear like what Tiger did to PJ Tour. So um, I, I, that, that's my first comment. Second comment, I, I, I think that Tiger is still in the game enough, Phil popping in his popularity – and then this young group, I think there's enough stars that maybe they could make that up a little bit with the parody, a little bit, because the PGA Tour is in a good spot. On the women's side, we've got Nellie Korda yeah. in the U.S., number one player in the world. Okay, She is outstanding. She's got a terrific swing, and she's the first American, can you believe this, to hold the number one spot over from one season to the next. I mean, you got to go back to Nancy Lopez days before we saw anything like this. And so I think for women's, where, where the women's game is, having a dominant American player like Nelly, who's very popular, I think having someone like that that people can say, hey, is Nelly playing? I want to tune in and watch that. Like what we thought Michelle Wee would do, like we thought what Lexi Thompson would do. I think that's important where, they, where the LPGA is right now. That star power is important. The PGA Tour, it's always important, but I think there's enough of a group of them, and it's it, that, that I think does that make some sense? Like I think that the group can hold their own just a little bit. Well, you talk about Nellie Corda, it's like Ginger or Marianne. Are you a Nellie or a Jessica? <laughs> well, 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 I'm not going to take it to that. But <laughs> that's her sister. I understand that's her sister. Uh, but I, I mean, N- Nellie looks like if I was betting on the two, I would probably bet with Nellie. She seems to be. You know, she is the number one for a reason right now. And so, when you yeah. said the Walters, you know what I thought of? Craig. Cuckoo Kachoo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And he's the Britain Covey of JJ yeah. Verer, man. That was a dead on comparison. <laughs> so, I think that anyway, I think your theory about the the group of guys can do it a little bit. You're basically saying they can't be Tiger. You're right; they can be interesting, and you're right; they can hold more than just the hardcore. And you will see it because there'll be tournaments where those guys don't largely don't play, and there won't be as many people at those tournaments. There won't be as many people watching those tournaments on TV. And then when you get back to what Bob calls the A and B plus events where most or all of them play, there will be more eyeballs on it. But it still won't bring what Tiger brought. And for what Tiger brought, you probably have to go back to when you had uh, Nicholas challenging Palmer. You know, yeah. you probably got to go back. It, it was probably a 35-year gap. And that's probably what we're waiting for again. But hockey's waiting for the next Gretzky. And the NBA wants to make LeBron the next Jordan, and it's awesome, but he's still not Jordan. Mm. I mean, mm. he's just, he's not. 
and fair. he's awesome, and he's dominating his era, and he's top five all time. But Jordan had the uh, a charisma thing that was just. I mean, it was a supernova. It was unbelievable. And Tiger had a charisma thing that nobody else has. And these other guys are awesome, and they have great stories. They don't have a Tiger had. You know, and, and I think it's unfair to, to suggest that anybody could, right? I mean, I think that's how special Tiger is. I mean, you, you go through and you go, hey, look what, look what these guys are doing. And then you realize Tiger did it like 10x, right? I mean, when you compare Tiger stats, when, whenever we do comparisons and Tiger's name comes up, it's noteworthy, and we, we'll talk about it. But then you put it into context for the length, the duration that Tiger held that highest level of play. That's, to me, what speaks. And Bob used to say this about Tiger back when we first started the show 23 years ago. Well, we'll see the longevity. And I'm like, look, Bob, the guy's like, you can't find a more athletic player. He's going to be healthy for forever. Well, it turns out he wasn't. But, you know, still, for him to maintain that level of play for a whole decade, you, just, you don't see it. And Phil Mickelson's a little bit that way, too. You know, he didn't have the dominating game because of Tiger, obviously. But still, to pick up 45, 46 wins, over the span and really not have any major injuries. It's, you know, Phil's what Phil did at the PGA last year was super exciting for golf. And I think, you know, that, that that's kind of a cool part of the game is you never know when that can happen. And we never know when, if that might come back and tiger might do that at some point in time. So people will tune in to see that too. And I, I, I guarantee at some point this, this year, tiger's going to tee it up um, based on what I saw last month, which shocked me. Uh, I think we'll see, I think we'll see tiger tee it up sometime this year, maybe St. Andrews which is relatively flat walk and it's the 150th open championship. And obviously he's won a couple of opens there already. So uh, that, that might be someplace we see, we see Tiger with, but when he does, yeah, it'll be, it'll be crazy. Um, what people will tune in to see. So get this. We know that 16 of Phoenix is very famous, right? And the Saturday before the tournament, I'm going to be at hole 16, not to play golf, they're going to have a concert there, and I'm going to see two of my favorite artists, Thomas Rhett and Old Dominion, and they're going to play. They're going to set up a stage at 16, and they're going to have a concert there. And I'm really? su- yeah. So uh, yeah, and the tickets went on sale, oh, like November, October, probably 10 minutes gone, and they're selling 20,000. So they they'll have the stadium seats there as they normally they take them down and then they put them back up right and so obviously they would be up by then because i played the course before in the summer and, and it, it's weird because it looks nothing like it because they've already taken everything down <clears throat> and then they'll have it back up so i'll be there on the saturday before as they call it the bird's nest and they have entertainment that goes along with the with the open uh er, with the waste management every night they have um various groups and these these two, these artists are obviously country and they're going to start at the Saturday before. And uh, my wife and I and some friends from Arizona are going to go over there. So we're going to be there for a concert. And the, 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 it's going to be in the, in the 16th hole. The bird's nest is right outside this day at the uh, Yeah, course. for the Thunderbirds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's, you know what? That's, I hadn't heard of that. That's awesome. I'd love to see Old Dominion. I've seen Thomas Rhett. Um, but uh, I, I think that's great. Let's that, see Phoenix. Phoenix is unique, right? Phoenix does PGA Tour golf different than everywhere else. 
and, and I love what they're doing. They're expanding that. They're bringing people to the golf course to watch a concert. I think that's outstanding. That's great stuff, great innovation. Um, more, pe- more chances to get people on the golf course, the better as far as a Grow the Game initiative. So I think that's totally cool. Get the party started Saturday before. Um, that's, that's tremendous. And to bring it full circle, maybe that's why I like the Western Swing so much because there's so many distinctive courses and distinctive tournaments, and you get in the middle of the year and they all kind of run together in my mind. A little bit. I, I think there's more character uh, to the West Coast. Uh, you know, I, I think the Florida courses, you know, th- is, th- do you really know the difference if it's, you know, uh, you know the, but, the Valspar right. versus... But you, you know, know Phoenix, you know Maui, you know, you know Pebble. Bay Hill. Uh, you, Bay Hill, obviously. There's a yeah. few that, you know, stand out. Right. TPC Sawgrass, right? Obviously. So, uh, real quick, just a quick plug. So, obviously, Augusta uh, hosting uh, the Masters as it does every year. Uh, the PGA's at Southern Hills in Tulsa. Um, Tigers won there. Keith Goosen's won there. Uh, U.S. Open to the Country Club at Brookline. Uh, that's the greatest game scene. You know, Francis, we met. That, the 99 Ryder Cup there with the big comeback, Justin Leonard's putt. So that's going to be fun to see. We haven't seen, uh, I don't think, uh, an Open there since the 80s. Uh, and then, of course, the 150th Open at the old course at St. Andrews. So uh, should be should be a fun year for golf. And then a President's Cup at the end of the year. So uh, excited to kick things off this Saturday on the show. All right, thanks. We'll talk to you then. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. We'll talk to him around the majors with Bob Casper. You'll hear them on Saturday mornings right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, Bowler's going to join us in about 10 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone as the Jazz win in Denver and get ready for Toronto. Bowler's coming up. Stay with us. The new Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk uh, NBA basketball with Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, in our next segment here in just a couple minutes. There is college hoops tonight, PK, and I'm curious. My expectations for BYU are really low. The 12-3, and three, which is a good record. It's going to be tournament, man. They don't, have their, they don't have their big guys. The league does look a little better. Are they going to drop games along the way here? They got Pacific that tonight. It doesn't matter. they they got to be an NCAA tournament team. BYU TV tonight, 7 o'clock to see BYU and Pacific. Supposed to be St. Mary's on the weekend, but St. Mary's can't play Santa Clara tonight, so this might be the only game of the week. I don't see how you don't think anything but NCAA tournament. Utah, no. Different situation. Utah, BYU, eight yes. 8-6, and, and six, hosting 5-6 and six Washington tonight. The 11th and 12th place teams in the Pac-12 are getting together at the Huntsman Center now, at 7.30. And I realize you were gutted with your big men. I get that. And a Triori kid is like a Charles Barkley. Uh, it reminds me, we'll, we can bring it up with uh, Steve Cleveland. It reminds me of, uh, what was that guy's name, uh, Celeste Rivers back in when Steve first took over. Undersized guy trying to play in the post. Uh but so what? I thought watching that first game he played when he got the start in Hawaii and he just went berserk right away, right in the first half. He was just dominating. I thought they got another Keeney Young on their hands. Uh, different kind of player. Still undersized. Yeah. More, but Keeney Young more, more wasn't way as, thicker. Yeah. Keeney Young was not nearly as thick no. as Traore. So they've got experience. They bring in experienced guys from the 
Portal, Barcelo. Did they have enough scores? I mean, Barcelo, I count on him all day long. But then after that, it seems hit and miss. I mean, Loner's got to get going. He hasn't progressed to the level that I thought he would based on what I saw last year. We thought he'd be scoring more. I don't know what the deal is. I'm not sure. He'll defend and rebound. But I'm not going to write it off either. Uh, he's got to get going more. They, he's see the Jazz last night, right? They got a couple. They got some guys out, so they st- other guys say, "I got this." All right, now I need Loner to say, "I got this." I got two big guys out. I got to step up, so I got this. So, but I, I think they've got to shoot for NCAA tournament. Anything less is a disappointment, and that's what Pope has established, right? He's two for two, right? This is his third year. Right, and obviously it was a, even though they didn't have a tournament, yeah. that was a tournament team. So yeah, yes, I would count it as two for two, even though they didn't seed yeah. or play games. And I think it's important to go this year to build it up because man, I haven't spoken to the basketball coaches. You don't have to, but the you transition know, that they're going to make. I've spoken to the football coaches, and the already, transition they're going to make yeah. is going to be tough. But you already know, looking at the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve is awesome. How's Baylor doing? It's a bleep. <laughs> this is going to be a bleep for these guys, man. There's no other way to say it. It is. So they've got to get 10. I think they can. The good thing is I expect their recruit, because basketball obviously can make a difference. So, yeah, I'm go now, go next year, and then ride into the Big 12 on a, what, uh, basically a 4-for-4 four four NCAA tournament thing. And I'm not expecting them to have success in the NCAA tournament. It's another story, but get there this year. Well, it's got to be the goal. I just don't know how realistic a goal it is. And it's hard to say because they haven't been playing regularly since they lost their bigs against good competition. There have been some games that have been scheduled wins, and there's been a couple games with good competition, and then there's been a couple games canceled. And so that mix, it's hard to see them in any flow but it's to your point about the big 12 transition well they're sitting on five ranked teams right now yeah baylor's baylor's undefeated and there's three one loss teams in kansas iowa state and tcu you know in football at least you can say well oklahoma's going away so you're losing one of the big dogs oh yeah but you're getting cincinnati and houston and yeah. they're plenty true. good enough All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Bowler is coming up next. Stay with us.